What is up, Calvary? Good to see you. Happy New Year. That is terrible. Proves my point for the first paragraph of my message, but I'll try it again. Happy New Year. All right, very good. I hope you are having a happy new year that are watching online. And uh, again, as a, a year of first continues, this is the first time we have been online with a live audience at 11 o'clock. All right, so as we move forward, we are also kind of moving back ever so slightly and just doing some things that uh, we used to as far as putting our schedule back together. So we are glad for all that are here with us on our campus and glad for all of you that are joining with us online. And I do say Happy New Year. And I trust that it has been a good start for you so far. But here is what I fear, okay? I fear that maybe some of you are falling into the same boat that I have fallen into, and that's this. Christmas, different, Definitely, but not as different as New Year's. New Year's just felt off to me. I don't know whether it was the fact that, you know, none of you invited us over for a New Year's Eve celebration. Um, So we had no invites to parties, and usually we have, what, 10, 15. Um, So nobody having anything for New Year's Eve. We couldn't even go out to dinner, right? I mean, either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, um, you know, we're going out at some point to have dinner. Didn't do any of that. Even, you know, the New York ball drop. It's like, okay, so the mayor and his wife are there dancing, and that's about it. I mean, where's the guy from Blue Bloods and, uh, you know, his wife and that kind of thing? And everybody's always, there's millions of people there and all kinds of stuff. And then nothing. It's just, drop the ball. Happy New Year. Okay, great. And it just felt strange. It was just not quite the same. And so is it possible that as we go into 2021, it's kind of like Happy New Year, and everybody's like, eh, whatever. Same old, same old. And we move into a new year, but really what we're doing, if we're not careful, we're just dragging 2020 with us into 2021. Well, what's the difference? What's the big deal? Doesn't seem like much has changed to me. And so how we look at 2021, how you approach the new year is huge, I believe, as to what the new year will bring. How are you heading into 2021? Are you just kind of dragging all the baggage from 2020 with you? Or are you like, hey, here we go, new year, fresh start, let's make something happen. Here's a song from a Broadway production. Uh, It says 525,000 600 minutes, 525,000 moments, so oh dear, 525,600 minutes. How do you measure, measure a year? Now, if you haven't figured it out, there's 525,600 minutes in a year. You get 525,000 plus of those minutes in a year. How do you measure that year? How do you measure the year that was, but more importantly today, how do you measure the year that is upon us? I saw on Instagram somebody had posted, Happy New Year 2021, 365 blank pages. How will you fill in yours? And and I I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are like, okay, but Billy, I mean, what really has changed? I mean, it seemed like, you know, things were getting better, things were getting better, and then bleh, we just kind of fell back down again, and now we're, we're back down, and, and we're back to the same stuff that we've been going through all year, and we just, we, we, we're still in the midst of a pandemic, no doubt. We still don't have a lot of answers. We still got all this divisiveness. We still don't have any unity. What is different? And the different is what you are going to do to make it different. The difference is, what can you control? Because here is what I would guess. And again, I may be wrong. Maybe this is just me. But it seems like we get all bent out of shape. We get all emotional. We pour all of our time, effort, and resources into venting about things we have no control over. Think about the past year. Is that where a lot of your time and effort and energy has gone? Into things that you have no control over. 
So here's the deal. Instead of worrying about all the things that we cannot control, what if we put our emphasis and our energy and our emotion into the things that we can control? And I don't know about you, 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 you're going to have to figure this out, this between you and God. But for me, that starts right here. I control me. I control my attitudes. I control my outlook. I control my response. So, as you look at 2021, how are we going to make that different? How are we going to change that? And how can we make sure that 2021 is a better year than the one we've just been through. Um, we have, in years past, as we have met on this first day of the first week of the first month of a new year, uh, we've talked about giving our life some definition as we go forward. And, and we want to do that again today. And in fact, we're going to do it for the next few weeks. We're not just going to take one Sunday. I, I think that uh, because of what we have been through in the past year, it, it's a good idea for us to take a few weeks to kind of, if nothing else, recharge our batteries and get our engines moving in the right direction so that we can go forward. And, uh, and, and again, we want to endeavor to control the things that we can control. So if we're going to give our lives some direction and some definition, okay, not just one or the other, how can we do that? And of course, we have started off in the past, I think it's been five years now, where we have started off coming up with a word for the year. A word for the year. What's the word going to be that you and I choose for our lives that will give us not just definition, but direction, okay? Last week, Eric talked about the fact that our word for the year as a church was clarity. Clarity. So many churches were choosing vision because of 2020. Do you get it? Um, and so we kind of took a little turn on that and said clarity. Well, God definitely provided some clarity as far as our vision was concerned. In fact, he branched us off by the end of the first quarter into ministry that we had no intention of even starting. But here it is, still being developed, still happening, and of course people with us online today because of it. And, uh, and so God definitely gave us some, some clarity. But um, we want to come up with a word, not just as a church, but you. What about you personally? What about your family? What is a word that would give you some definition and some direction as you head into 2021. Now, let me share with you, when we talk about the word of the year, for the people who actually do this, they choose a word for the year previous, okay? So when we have shared with you, Cambridge, Webster's Dictionary, uh, Oxford University, they all come up with words of the year. And what they're doing is they're giving us a word that defines, that shows the past year, the past 12 months. In 2018, are you ready for this? In 2018, the word for the year from Oxford University was nomophobia. Nomophobia. That was the word of the year. Okay? As they looked back over the past 12 months of 2018, that was the word they came up with as the most important word of that whole 12 months. Does anyone have any idea what nomophobia means? I didn't think so. Here's where it is. Ready? Here's what the word means. This colossal word, important word of 2018, means fear of losing one's mobile phone. Nomophobia. That was the word of the year for Oxford. Can I tell you something? People that talk about a simpler time and they want to go back to like the 1950s, forget that. Just go back to 2018. What we were dealing with was a fear of losing our mobile phone. That was what we were maxed out at as a society and a culture. Word of the year, nomophobia. So many people very, very upset and fearful they might lose their mobile device. Well, guess what? 
I think we've moved past that in 2020, okay? Do you want to take a guess as to what the word of the year is? I'm going to give you the count of three, and I want you to yell out what you think it is, all right? From Oxford University, from uh, Webster's Dictionary, what do you think the word of the year is? Here we go. One, two, three. That sounded absolutely atrocious. Are you people awake? I just, you know, are you, maybe you celebrated New Year's last night, and you're just, you know, you got up at 1045, and was like, oh, let's try it. Uh, I'm going to try it one more time, just be a little more succinct. We're speaking English in this service. So, one, two, three, what is it? Okay, that was better, but still nondescript. Um, here's the word of the year, according to Cambridge, pandemic. Some of you, I think, said that one. Pandemic's the word of the year. Word of the year for Webster's Dictionary, pandemic. Pandemic. Oxford University says pandemic was used 57,000% more in 2020 than in the year previous. 57,000. But here's the deal. It was interesting because Oxford, in their study on the word of the year, they said we couldn't come up with just one. There were so many words that were added to the lexicon of our vocabulary. Words like unprecedented. Now, we've used that before, but never like we have in this past year. Lockdown. <laughs> There's a word that on the edge of 2020, you weren't thinking, that'll be a word of the year. Uh, Zoom. Zoom was a word of the year for 2020. PPE. That's not even a word. PPE, though. That was in there. Quarantine. Not since 1918 has the word been used so much. Asymptomatic. Word of the year. And, and of course, another one was Corona. The virus, not the other stuff. Corona. Here's the thing, too, about these words. I, I am of the opinion that the, these words didn't just def, define the past 12 months. I think that to some degree we allowed these words to give us direction. They directed us as well. Not just definition. There was direction. So here's what I want you to do. When you sat down, you probably saw a little pink piece of paper, right? You should have one near you, by you. You should have you know, you know, probably crumbled it up and you throw it on the floor. Pick that back up. Uncrumple it because I want you to do me a favor, okay? I need your help. Uh, I want you to get a pen or a pencil and uh, hopefully you or the person you're sitting next to has one. And here's what I want you to do. This is real quick. And if you're online, I want you to get a piece of paper and a pen or pencil. I want you to do this too. All right? Stay, stay engaged. Stay connected. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, if you remember, because some of you, you've done this before. You've been part of this. If you remember, what was your word for 2020? I want you to write that word down. What was your word for 2020? Write that word down. As you looked at last year, right on the edge, again, Eric mentioned as a church we came up with clarity. What was your word? Write that one down. Here, here's the second thing I want you to do. And, and all of you can do this. Some of you can't remember what that word was. You know, you've, there's been a lot of water under the bridge since you picked that word, right? Um, and, uh, and, and, or maybe you weren't here that first Sunday. So here's the second thing, and all of us can do this. If you were to define the past 12 months in one word, what would it be? Write that down. For you, okay? Don't, you're not trying to define it for the world, or the nation, just you. What's, what's the word that you would use to define 2020? I want you to write that down. Okay, here's the last thing. On a scale of one to 10, with one being the absolute best, no, the absolute worst, excuse me, and 10 being the absolute best, how would you rate the year 2020. One being the worst, 10 being the best. How do you rate it? And no, please don't put in there negative five, okay? That's, that's not an option. So how do you rate, you can tell we have people out on the side, can't you? Specifically my daughter. Um, how do you rate the year on a scale of one to 10? Okay, you got that? Everybody got that? 
You got that online? All right, here's what I want you to do now. You ready? I want you to wad it up. Actually, Jeremy's going to come through the auditorium, and I just want you to throw it in the trash. All right, he's going to start at the front. It's going to take a minute. Don't worry about it. But just wad it up and throw it in the trash. Can I tell you something? The reason we're doing that is because it doesn't matter. All right? It doesn't matter what it was. What we need to concern ourselves with is what will be. When you leave this parking lot, when you go to take off and go home today, you will put that park into drive as you head down the street and you will look out a windshield that is probably at least 10 times, maybe even 20 times bigger than the rear view mirror that is attached to it. Rear view mirror is very small, but the windshield is very large. Why? Because when you're driving somewhere, where you're going is so much more important than where you've been. And so the idea, the essence of that exercise was not to waste your time, but it was to help us understand that my guesses, my guesses, the average for most people as far as 2020 is concerned was five or less. Okay? There are not too many that are going, 10? Oh my, when I think of the greatest year of my life, it's going down in history. Probably not there. Pretty difficult. And can I tell you something? If we're not careful, we will carry the baggage of that with us. We will spend more time looking in the rear view mirror than we do looking forward. And so today, I want us to start giving our lives some direction and some definition for that which is to come, not concerning ourselves with what we have no control over. And why is it that we spend so much time and resource and energy worrying about that, tweeting about that, Facebooking about that, talking about that, instead of that which we can control? We want to give it some definition. So, why are we doing that? Because... Paul, the apostle, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he said, hey, I'm not there yet. I do not think that I have already won it. But he said, this one thing I do, forget what is behind me, and I do my best to reach what is ahead. And the only way, the only way that we can make the year to come better than what was behind us is by doing exactly what Paul says. Forgetting that which is behind and reaching forward. Doesn't mean you can't look back for the sake of experience, for the sake of praising God for what he's brought you through, for what he's done. There's no doubt that in certain cases and areas of life, God maybe has even blessed you in this year. He has sustained you in this year, and that's an awesome thing. But we are not looking back. We are looking forward. And we're going to give our lives some direction and some definition as we do that. So let's get rolling. We're going to go to the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then we're going to look at the words of Jesus to kind of back up why we need to do this and why it's so important. First of all, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. This is what it says, and you'll see next to this GNT, okay? And what that means is good news translation. That's the translation I used in this. I've got a, some study Bibles, and I'm able to look through numerous translations, and I love the way they put this verse and a couple others we'll use today. This is what it says, Proverbs 18, 21. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. Wow. Some of you have a translation that says your words have life or death. That's the importance of what you say. It's the importance of what you say. You ever say something you regret? <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, once a day. <laughs> Some of you might be like, a couple times an hour. Um, we all say things we regret, right? 
We all say things that we wish we could just, you know, kind of rewind that thing and try it again. And, and so much of the time, what we say is destructive and destroying and death. We are not, with our words, breathing life into people, into situations, into circumstances, into even ourselves. And that's why mastery over our words is so important because Proverbs said you've got life and you've got death and it is in your control. What happens, not always in your control. How you respond to what happens, always in your control. Proverbs says, look, you have life, you have death. You choose. You choose. How important our words are. And part of the reason it's so important is because, and maybe this isn't you, but isn't it possible that most of the conversations we have are with ourselves? I mean, do you, do you talk to yourself? Maybe not out loud. Some of you do. I do. I talk to myself. December 23rd, we had a Christmas Eve, a Christmas Day candlelight service. Got done, I was heading home. Our oldest daughter, Whitney, was here. I had made a call to her earlier in the day. And for some reason, I butt-dialed her, okay, on the way home. Excuse me, my mother's here. I pocket-dialed her on the way home, okay? But I do believe that butt-dial is in Webster's Dictionary. Um, you, you ever done that? Have you ever dialed and like, wait a second, I didn't make a phone call. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> You dialed, and it went through. Now, most of the time, somebody does that, and, you know, they leave you a voice message, and as soon as you see that it's three minutes, you're like, yeah, I know what that is, because they have a cutoff time. So you just delete it. Well, evidently, she didn't pick up on the phone, and it went to her voicemail, and I left her a voicemail. And the problem was, I was talking out loud. So... Being the loving daughter that she is, she decided to play it for everyone on Christmas Day. And I was making up my own words to songs that were on the radio, and then I was talking to the driver next to me about, no wonder your car looks like that, and I was just saying all kinds of stuff. It was crazy. I'm having a conversation. Nobody's in the car. My wife will say that all the time to me. She says, you know, I really think you would say this even if I wasn't sitting next to you. And it's very possible. But come on, you have your own conversations. You have conversations with yourself. And, and here's the other thing. Forgive me, I know we're leaving preaching, we're moving into meddling. Sometimes we have those conversations and we think we're just talking to ourselves. But in essence, we're really kind of having a little chat with God. Right? They'll talk with God, just making sure he understands how we feel about the situation. Proverbs says you have life and you have death in your words. What are you going to choose? What are you going to choose in 2021? We need to choose words of life. Now, let me again, and and we're kind of settling in here, don't worry, we'll fly through uh, the rest of this. But this is important because as, as you look, I know, I know that some of you are out there going, you know, Billy, this is nice and I appreciate the pep talk and all that kind of thing, but this is for somebody else because this, it's just not me. It's just not my personality. I'm just not a, a positive person and uh, I've tried and I just, I'm, I just not, you know, I am, I, I don't even think I'm a glass half empty. I think I might be maybe uh, a quarter uh, empty. Uh, I, the glass doesn't. I'm not even sure I have a glass, uh, and if I do, I'm not sure what it's filled with. Um, but I'm definitely not a glass half full kind of person. That's just the way I am. Can I tell you something? It's interesting, isn't it, that the author of Proverbs, this book of wisdom, says to us that our words have the power of life or death. If, 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 if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then who is the one person who has shown us the power 
of life over death. It's Jesus. Because of the power of the resurrection, you cannot say, well, it's just the way I am. Nope. It might have been the way you have been, but it does not mean it's the way you have to be going forward. Because of the power of the resurrection of Christ, we are new creations in him. And that means we can determine at the beginning of a year, I know this is the way I have been this past year, these past few months, this past decade, this past 110 years, but it's not going to be like that anymore. Moving forward, I will make sure that my words are filled with life, no matter if I'm talking to myself, my heavenly Father, or other people. I choose life. Okay, forgive me, got to go back. I know we're just kind of getting the ball rolling again, New Year, so... One of the things I talked about a few weeks ago is we're going to have to reteach you how to go to church. And what we do when the pastor gets done sharing something like that that is so good, so powerful, and so important is we say, I don't know, amen, praise God, hallelujah. We stand and applaud. I don't care, but we give him a chance to breathe, okay? This is what we do. So I'm not even sure I can repeat that, but all I can say is in 2021, we are going to choose words, whether speaking to ourselves, our Heavenly Father, or other people. We're going to choose life, not death. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I wonder if there, are we going to have to do this at like football games? I just, that's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, they score a touchdown, people are like, what are you doing? not a golf game. All right, I'm sorry. Back to the message. So, awesome thing about being a believer is Jesus can resurrect even dead churches and make them full of life again, as he will do for us. All right, moving on. James, James, half-brother of Jesus, okay? Half-brother of Jesus writes his book, his letter to the believers. Sorry. Just got choked up there. And he is talking quite a bit about how things should be in the church. Listen to what he says, and you know I've used this before on this first Sunday in January. James chapter 3, verse 2. Again, remember this, half-brother of Jesus. He says, we all make many mistakes. And then he says, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. And could also control ourselves in every other way. Isn't that a phenomenal statement? He says, we all make many mistakes. And then he just says, actually, most of them we make with our lips. Most of them we make by what we say. And he says, if we could just learn to control that, we could control so many other facets of our life. And I think it's interesting that this is the half-brother of Jesus who did not become a believer in Jesus until after he saw a resurrected Jesus. James was part of the family group that wanted to have Jesus committed. Okay? When he first starts out and he starts these claims, James is like, Mom, we got to do something about this guy. Okay? He is bringing down our name. This is crazy. He goes with his brothers to try to get him to stop but Jesus, in his great mercy, appears to his brother after the resurrection. James talks about it. Paul talks about it. And James becomes this incredible leader in the church because of it. Now, I don't know, you know, I mean, Jesus was an older brother, so I mean, if he, I don't know if he came back and he went, na 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 But he appeared in front of James, and James became a, well, very wisely so, a believer. He became a believer, and now he's this great leader. And in fact, some people believe he was one of the first martyrs, one of the first who gave his life for the cause of Christ. And they gave him a shot. They gave him a chance. James, just recant this stuff about your brother. And he couldn't. And he writes, looking back on a life, don't you think? Don't you think he's looking back and thinking, 
of all the things he said to his brother. All the things that he said. All the times that he made fun of him. All the times that he denied who he was. All the times that he tried to get him to shut up and stop with this nonsense. And he looks back and he says, man, if only I would have controlled my tongue and what I said. And, and, and then he goes on and he says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Just, just a small bit gives direction to a 2,000 pound animal. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Have the winds been pretty strong in 2020? Yeah. But James is saying, look, we control the direction of our lives with what we say. How important is it? And then, to take it one step further, notice what his half-brother Jesus says. John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. Jesus says, there's life in my words. Why do you think so many of the wrong crowd always wanted to be around Jesus because they knew they were around someone who would lift them up. All of the religious hierarchy of that day, all they wanted to do was tear him down. But when Jesus came around, Luke even talks about it. He says in the front row, you had the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and all other kinds of sinners. They were the ones down front. The religious people, they were all in the back. Why? Because Jesus' words were constantly lifting people to another level and breathing life into them. So how can we make sure that happens? Well, you got to choose a word. You need to choose a word that will give your life not just definition for the next 12 months, but direction. Direction. How do you do that? First of all, let me give you just three or four quick points here on how to do that. Make it a word that has priority. Priority. Okay, don't, don't just make it a word that's, well, you know, if it happens, it happens. If not, no biggie. No, give your life some priority by the word that you choose for 2021. Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah is this great guy. He, of course, is part of the Jewish contingency that is not anywhere near Jerusalem. They have been taken over years and years and years before. And the whole Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and uh, all that kind of thing taken by Nebuchadnezzar. The city besieged, destroyed. And now it's a long time later, and this guy named Nehemiah is working for the king. And he hears about how the city has fallen in disrepair, and he's really, he's really upset. He just can't believe that his homeland, he's never even been there. But he just can't believe that his homeland has been torn down like this. And so the king realizes what's going on and says, you know, what's, what's the problem, Nehemiah? Nehemiah shares, and the king gives him the authority and even the resource, go back to your homeland and rebuild the walls. So this is what Nehemiah does, and the whole book of Nehemiah is that story. It's an awesome story. But the people surrounding that besieged city, they wanted nothing to do with Jerusalem being rebuilt, refortified. And so they are constantly trying to throw him off his game, and finally they basically put a hit out on his life. And they are trying to get him down off that wall, and it is such a great thing what he says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. He says, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. What was he doing? His life had a priority. And he was not going to stoop down to their level and get thrown off what God had called him to do. And it's important that we choose a word that is 
is a priority for us because our life is so filled with distractions. We need not just definition, we need direction. Why? Because we get so easily distracted. And the things that usually distract me are never as important as the things they distract me from. Can I say that to you again? The things I get distracted by are never as important as what I get distracted from. So make it a priority. Second thing is this. Make it positive. Make it positive. Make your word for 2021. Don't, don't be, again, we wadded up 2020 and threw it in the trash. So don't be looking back and go, well, I better keep this one on the down low. I don't want to get disappointed. In fact, maybe that'll just be my word, disappointed. Then I don't have a real hard bar to reach. What was your word for the year? Disappointed. And I, I, I hit it every time. No, make it positive. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your heart on things. What's the next word? I'll try it again. <clears throat> Set your heart on things above. above. There we go. Set your heart on things above. Why? Because Christ has been raised from the dead. You, as a follower of Jesus, we talked about it even in our Christmas message. We brought in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, run the race with perseverance, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Look, if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, you can't go through 2021 going like this. He ain't there. He's up there. Paul says in Colossians, fix your heart, fix your gaze, fix your vision on things above where Christ is. Make it positive. Make it positive. And the next thing, make it powerful. Let your word have some power behind it. You want to know why? Because the Spirit of God lives in you. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul says, in certain ways, we are weak. It's okay to admit your weakness, okay? We all have weaknesses. We all have deficiencies. We all have things we've got to work on. We all have things we've got to do to improve ourselves. We all have things that we're trying to do, you know, even like with this, uh, with, with the virus and that kind of thing. It is amazing to me how long it now takes me to get ready in the morning to go. All of the things that my wife has me doing, all right? Because, you know, you're supposed to have like 12,000 grams of vitamin C. So, uh, you know, you pour this thing in, and then I get a little teaspoon of this, and then I got a couple. My mother's like, I found these tablets. And I take these two tablets from my mother, and then I've got this vitamin. You know, I've got men's vitamins, so it's pretty evident who they're for on the shelf, you know, because uh, there's women's vitamins right next to it. And uh, so I got all this stuff. I got I to gotta pour in and take this, and, you know, sometimes you get ready to walk out the door, and you're like, Ugh. The other day, my wife comes in, and she says, hold out your hand. I hold out my hand. She says, Here. She pours this stuff on I'm like, what are you doing? Then she takes this little oil. She puts that on there. She says, now mix it together. I'm like, okay. I said, what do I do? She said, now put it on your face. Put it all over your face. Rub it in. I'm like, what am I doing? She says, you don't want to look like an alligator. It's a moisturizer. You need to do this every day. Oh, my gosh. It's another thing I got to add to my list of what I got to do every day just to leave the house. It's crazy. Why? Because I've got deficiencies, okay? I need some help. We all do. And Paul says, look, we're weak. But here's the good news. The Spirit is with us. The Spirit of God is with us. He's here to help us. And in the past few months, as we've gone through this end of this past year, we've talked about the Spirit of God and how He is a, 
wonderful counselor. We've talked about the Spirit of God and how he is a comforter. We've talked about the power of the Spirit of God being a rushing wind. And that is the same Spirit that lives in you. Power. So today, your word, your word. Now, and, and we're, we're wrapping up here. We're about done, but I just want to give you, I want to give you a couple examples. And one of the things I want you to understand is uh, in the past year, not just a word has defined the past 12 months, has it? We've had some phrases. And in fact, Oxford, it's one of the reasons they did their study the way they did. They said, we can't come up with a word. There's, there's just too many things. And some of them are more than one word, right? Socially distanced, Okay. How many have used that more than two times in 2019? Can I see your hands? Don't raise your hand because you never used it. Socially distanced. Nobody heard of that till 2020. Now it's all over the place. Personal protective equipment. Okay? Most of the guys in here just thought that was what you put on when you played football. That was just a football uniform. Nobody's heard of PPE. Shelter in place. Oh my gosh. Maybe when I was in third grade. Okay? And you used to have to, like, go out in the hallway if a tornado came or something. You know, and it was a shelter in place. I don't know. Haven't heard of it. Flatten the curve. Never heard of it. Okay? But that's a phrase that became part of our vocabulary in 2020. Contact tracing. <laughs> essential. Here, here's a good one. Essential, non-essential. Have you heard that one? Huh? It's just, it, you know, it always thrilled me, you know, that pastors were never considered essential. Um, we're just thrown into that non-essential category. Um, work from home. There's another phrase. It, 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 of course, picked up in the 90s, but, man, it's been used so much. And, and here's one. Because of the work from home, here's a phrase that was used more in 2020. You're on mute. Okay? If you had a Zoom business meeting, you know, and all of a sudden your mouth was moving, but nobody could hear you. And so somebody would say, you're on mute. Except when they said you're on mute, and I don't know, maybe this never happened with you, but it seems like they would enunciate the words with their lips just in case they were on mute too. You're on mute. As if somehow that would help you hit the button, you know. Oh, okay, I got it, I got it. And then sometimes you'd have a Zoom meeting, and you're like, please put your button on mute, okay? I don't need to hear the commercial in the background. When you've got heartburn, heartburn, whatever it is. They make diarrhea sound good in that commercial. I'm not sure how they do it. But anyways, <clears throat> there's the phrases. So maybe instead of a word, you need a phrase. Okay? You need a phrase. Let me give you just three. Quickly, we're done. Number one is this. Participating presence. Participating presence. The reason that's so important is because... I think that we were already a society that easily could live somewhere between remember when and someday. Too often times, we are either living in the past or looking towards the future and not living in the moment. participating presence. I think it's a key for us in 2021. There, uh, of course, binge watching TV became a big thing, you know, and my wife and I trying to find shows that we like or watch or whatever. Somebody said, you know what, you need to check out this, uh, this show on Netflix called uh, Co Cobra Kai. Okay, I'm like, I'm not really into snakes. They're like, no, it's Karate Kid. I'm like, oh, well, I remember Karate Kid. Because that was a movie back in the 80s, which, of course, life was at its best. And um, so, yeah, see. Uh, so, sure enough, Cobra Kai. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's all the people from Karate Kid grown up. This is incredible. And the first scene, this guy, the guy who got biffed in the face in the last scene of Karate Kid, you know, he's kind of, hard to believe, falling on hard times. But, 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 he is still living in Remember When. 
And so he goes out and he gets in his car. And they don't show it to you right away. They just show him getting in his car and turning on the radio, you know. And he turns on the radio, REO Speedwagon, okay. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, he's got that blaring. I'm like, okay, good music. And, and he's driving, you know, with the one hand. Remember that? You remember that, guys? You drive with one hand on here. Sometimes you drove with your wrist, right? Not even your hand, just your wrist. And your other hand was down here like this. And he pulls out. And he pulls up to a light. And then they back away and they show the car. 1986 Red Firebird. Oh my gosh, that was my car. I paused it. I'm like, Laura, Laura, you got to come here. I was so excited. She's in the kitchen. What? I said, you got to see this. Look at that car. Isn't it sad that when the best car you ever had was the first one you had? Oh my gosh, why did I get rid of that? He's driving a red Firebird. I'm like, that is so cool. Remember when? <laughs> oh, we can live there, can't we? Or we can re live in the day of, well, Someday, one day, had we failed to live in the present moment. And I would think if there is something that 2020 has taught us, it has been don't let the moments of life go by. Don't let the moments go by. Don't lose the moments. Participating presence. The reason I put the word participating in there is because, first of all, presence is first and foremost. Being present is important. Being present in where you're at, being present, it's, it's so easy for us, isn't it? I mean, even our own family, we would have little gatherings, and at times, uh, when Whitney was up here, and we're sitting around the table, and all of a sudden, I realized, we're all looking at our phones. We're just so easily attuned to that phone. And we're missing the moment. So we got to be present, but then participation is the key. And again, I'm not going to preach here. I'm going to meddle just a little bit. But part of the whole process here in 2021 will be relearning how to do church and understanding that church is not something that we come and sit and be a spectator at. Church is something we participate in. And even if you are online with us, you need to look for ways that you can stay engaged even as we continue through this time until we get to that time period where they're like you know all clear everyone come back and we put all the chairs back in and get back there are still ways for us to stay engaged and as we begin to move back in that direction and begin to roll out ministries and increase people are going to have to participate we're going to need people in every area of ministry every area of ministry is going to need people it's going to need participation and we have done what is necessary and what is needed, and we're continuing to do that. We want to do things safely, but we do need to understand that God never expected us to live without connection. Remember that Almighty God's the one who looked down at Adam by himself and said, not good. Not good. We need the connection that his church provides. Participating presence. Matthew 13, Jesus said, when he was talking to his disciples, explaining why he used parables. He said, here's the problem. They look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. They don't really listen or understand. And, and my fear is that we could have gone through all of 2020 and not learned the lessons that God was trying to give us. Participating presence. Here, here's, here's another one. Emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. You, you ever heard the phrase, keep calm and carry on? If there's something we've learned in 2020, has it not been that panic usually doesn't play well? Panic doesn't play well. And, and I think that our culture is looking for people to strike the right tone. Why can't that be the church? Why can't the church be the one that would strike the right tone? Think about, yeah, I got to be careful here. But again, going back to those things which make us so emotional, when we get that way, we're followers of Christ 
is that how we see Jesus? I mean, do we see Jesus? Just look at Twitter if you get a chance. Look at your Twitter feed tomorrow and see how many of those you could say, well, yeah, Jesus would have tweeted that, Jesus would have tweeted that, Jesus would have tweeted No. The venting, the anger, the wrath, the frustration, you'd never find that in Jesus. And yet his word tells us what? His, his word says, hey, you know what? A gentle answer turns away wrath. We're not looking to turn away wrath. We're looking to ratchet it up a bit. It's like if the church can outshout you, we win. But that's, I don't know. If you got a verse, I'm more than happy to look at it and do a series on it. Emotional doesn't mean that you're not involved. Doesn't mean, it doesn't even mean that you don't get angry at times, you know? But I think that one of the things we have to understand is that for Jesus, the emotion came whenever he looked out at a crowd of people. You read that in the Gospels. Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus saw a whole city full of Samaritans coming through the field, and his disciples were like, run for the hills. We can't be with these people. And the Bible says, look, this is your harvest. This is your harvest. And, and my, my fear is that, that the church... I mean, is it possible that we'd be like, yeah, you know what? I'm really not sure I want that person in heaven. So I'm definitely not going to step out of my comfort zone to try to love them to Jesus. And we've lost our purpose as the church. Emotional intelligence. On the other side of that, now let me just quickly run this by you. On the other side of that, too many people in the church lack any emotion at all. It's one of the reasons why every once in a while I try to elicit a response from you. Okay? You are not going to go to U of M, to the big house, to watch U of M play. You're not going to go to Ford Field in, you know, 20. 32 when they have a playoff team and you are not going to go there and watch them score a touchdown and look around and go what do we do now you know how to respond okay but yet when we come to church when it's the things of christ keep it down we don't want to get too emotional why are you not emotional in any of your other relationships why would your relationship with God be the only one that was lacking any emotion? Emotional intelligence. I, I, I'll tell you why I threw that one out, to be honest with you, because I think that's one that Billy Walker needs to work on. Because my guess is if I had, um, had butt-dialed my daughter the wrong call at some point... <laughs> She might have heard a conversation I was having with myself or the driver next to me or something like that that I was not being emotionally intelligent. And I was taking out my frustration for things that had happened in this past year on a person who had absolutely nothing to do with it. Okay, enough preaching to myself. Uh, another one, I'll just throw this one out. How about wit and wisdom? Wit and wisdom. We've got serious issues and challenges right now. There's no doubt about it. A recent survey said 30% of the American people are depressed. How's that? 30% of the American people, highest it's ever been. Somebody probably needs to look at that and go, hmm, maybe we need to change some things. 30% of them are, we've got some serious issues, but listen, you got to look at life with a sense of perspective, and that starts with having a sense of humor. Learn to laugh, and learn to laugh at yourself, okay? If all you can do is laugh at the expense of others and not at yourself, oh, you are missing one of the funniest things in the world because you're pretty funny. Last thing is this, and this, this I, I close with this. Maybe this should be the phrase for all of us this year. Ready? 
goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. David says in Psalm 23, verse 6, Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. So, I don't care what your word is or what your phrase is. and I don't care how you direct or define the year to come. But I'll tell you this, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then every time you turn around in 2021, guess who's going to be right there behind you? Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. You say, Billy, it doesn't feel so good. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it doesn't feel like goodness is there. But it is. You want to know why? Because it's not our goodness. It's God's. Remember what we talked about in December? Even when God is silent, God is working. And he's working on your behalf. The Old Testament tells us that God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning. They're not new at the beginning of a month, at the beginning of a year. You don't have to worry about rollover or carryover. They are new every morning. How can that be? Because it's God. Goodness and mercy follow me. And they follow you in 2021. You believe it? Amen. Amen. May it be so for each of us. Bow your heads together with me in prayer. Maybe you are here today or watching with us online, and there has never been the moment where you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You don't know for sure today that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God. You're not sure today where you'd spend eternity. You can know that right now. In the quietness of this moment, if you want to know that Christ lives in you, that someday you'll live with him, I want to encourage you to simply pray this prayer or something like it. Nothing special about the prayer. But the Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart. So today, if that's you, I want you to simply pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. I make you the Lord of my life. If you prayed that prayer today in the quietness of this moment, would you just lift up your hand and put it down? Just lift it up and put it down. Say, that's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer. If you're joining with us online, there's a little box that's come up on your screen that says, today I accepted Christ, and it has an uplifted hand. Just hit, hit that button, hit that tab. Let us know of your decision. Not going to know your name, but God does. And you can know before today is over, I will be praying for you. And for those of you that know Christ today, would you just resolve that 2021 is going to be different than 2020? Not in necessarily the things that we have no control over, but that which we do control. Our heart, our attitude, our vocabulary, the way we talk to God, ourselves, and others. Father, our prayer is that you would give us the strength, the power that we need to make it happen. You know better than anyone that it has not been an easy year for most people. It's been difficult. Some have suffered loss, loss of employment, loss of career. Some have lost loved ones. We've lost opportunities and time and moments. 
But Lord, may that not be carried over in our minds, in our hearts, into the year ahead. But Lord, may we trust in you, the resurrection and the life, that you are going to resurrect those things in our life which we have lost. And they will become even greater than they were before. We're believing you for that. And I pray for each person watching today and each person that's here on our campus that you'd give us a word or some words that will help give us definition and direction as we move forward for you in 2021. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.